Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast. I'm your host Manuel Feit and yeah. Back again, uh, still on the weird midweek schedule because there's simply no games right now and the transfer window is still kind of heating up a little bit. We have a few things to discuss today, a few things that have happened, a few things that will happen. Um, yeah, and helping me as always to do all of this is Stefan Biankowski. Stefan, how's it going? Yeah, very, very well. Uh, you know, it's it, it has been a very quiet week. Um Some stuff happened, obviously. Nunes moved to Liverpool to start of the week. Mm. Um, Real Madrid have done some stuff, but all quiet uh, in the Bundesliga for the most part, uh, except for one rather big signing from Bayern, which I'm sure we're about to talk about. But even aside from that, it does seem like things are just kind of ticking along and we're still kind of waiting for the fireworks to go off. But yeah, yeah we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the players being with their respective national teams. Um, I think that sort of always holds, slows things down. Technically speaking, we should be talking about a World Cup right now. Hmm. Um, but, you know, FIFA had other ideas. Um, bless them. And we'll, we get to talk about Germany. I think we're going to probably start with Germany because I think there is a lot to unpack here um, from what we've seen from them this window. And I think we should dive into that first right after this break. This episode of the Gegenpressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL Hockey Conference finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use your, our promo code BELIEVE. That is B-L-E-A-V. Believe to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online when the game starts. So yeah, um, I had a great day yesterday, Stefan. I had the the big screen on. I'm at my buddy's place in Seattle and had the, the Germany game on and had Hungary and England on and. Uh, it was a remarkable set of results, I think, is the best way to describe it. <laughs> um, Italy's biggest defeat since 1957. Hmm. Um, I, can't, I can't remember anyone putting more than two goals ever behind, past uh, Italy. Like, it just doesn't happen. And I think there was one point um, in this Germany game where I think, I thought maybe Germany will go double digits here. I think they, they considerably took the foot off the paddle after the fifth goal hmm. they said okay even timo got to score two now so job done here um but they were they were excellent that was probably the best performance under hansi flick yeah it's been kind of waiting to come hasn't it for some time now we've had so many 1-1 draws over and over and over again um but i think within those there have been good performances and, and it's kind of felt as though You know, even though the results themselves hasn't haven't really been working out, it seems as though the team have kind of gone through the motions the right way. They've been kind of relearning how to play under Flick, um, and it just kind of seemed to all come together against Italy. And this is kind of what I think German football fans were kind of hoping for when Flick took the job. You know, he's he's just it's kind of what he's done at Bayern as well, isn't it? It wasn't really revolution; it was more evolution. He just kind of takes what he's been given makes them better players, he gets them working the better system. And, you know, I think the most remarkable thing for me, really more than anything else, is just kind of like the change in Timo Werner under Hansi Flick. 
you know mm. i mean i know there's only so much we can kind of take away I, also the kind of weird thing about these games is kind of like sometimes they are kind of half treated as friendlies to an extent but they're the closest thing we have to like genuine qualifiers for nations like um germany and italy and things like that so we kind of have to take them at face value uh, but I just think it's really interesting the way that Flick, or sorry, Werner has kind of managed to somewhat kind of turn it around for Germany. I think I'm not mistaken. I think this is what Flick's fifth, thirteenth game, I think, in charge, and mm. um, maybe more actually. I'm not quite sure, but I know Werner in that times managed to get like ten goals and assists, and made a point of this on Twitter this morning that he's got more goals and assists in Flick's thirteen games in charge than he does in his last twenty six league games for Chelsea. So. You know, something's obviously clicking for him there. Um, and it's not as if he's kind of sitting there playing duds either. He's up against England, Hungary, Netherlands. You know, these are decent teams. Um, I know he kind of racked up a few goals against Liechtenstein and Armenia, for example. But, you know, the two goals he goes, got against Italy, I think, will be a huge help. And he's going to he, and, and I think like so much does kind of rely on him to an extent as well. I mean, I know... Flick's obviously brought Hoffman back in there, who's so good at kind of getting those late runs and getting goals and assists. And Thomas Muller's just been Thomas Muller, but unless Kai Havertz is like really on his game, uh, Germany are probably going to be relying on Timo Werner this summer, uh, this winter rather, at the World Cup. So mm. for him to kind of fit into the system, for him to get goals, is so important because he's undoubtedly one of those strikers that just really relies on his um, his confidence. Yeah, I'm just looking this up. It's been 13 games for Flick. And he has um, won nine and drawn four. Um, this was the first win against a big side, um, which is, I think, important, right? Obviously, uh, the draws against Italy and England uh, previously, and then the 1-1 draw against the Netherlands. Um I call it the famous ketchup bottle. I was wondering when they're finally going to score more than one goal against one of the big sides. And when they finally scored that second, it seemed like it was really coming all together and it came in bunches. Uh, Werner has scored, just looking this up, one, two, three, five, uh, six, eight, eight goals and two assists Mm. under Flick. That's good. Yeah, it's really good. It's kind of the player that he was at Leipzig, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I was very harsh on on poor Timo um, midweek because I was very frustrated by by his inability, and he's he's done it against Italy too uh, in this game. His inability to break the line at the right time, and I think that that is a learnable skill. Yeah, you know, breaking the line at the right time um, is is really important. So, yeah, it's it's this is something that frustrates me, frustrated me that you if you consistently in offside positions, then you should you should be learning from that. And um, he's done it a couple times mm. um, in this game as well, but maybe. Flick has put him aside and said, look, Timo, sometimes it's better to just hold your run that half second. You have to pay. It, this is the other thing. He has to pace to be there anyways. Yeah. Right? He doesn't need to start half a second earlier. Mm. So I think that's something that he needs to work because it, it is something that has, has been happening ever since he's been at Chelsea. And I think there's a direct correlation between VAR coming in and Timo's goal scoring dropping significantly <laughs> uh, because like, he's just getting caught on this. Mm. Right. And uh, I think that is something that he needs to, he needs to learn or adapt to his game. Otherwise he's going to keep struggling in that department. Mm. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. But you know, I was, yeah, I mean, it's 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 still good news for Jim. And I don't know, maybe it's just the fact he's got someone like Thomas Muller behind him who can obviously mm. kind of help um, players who he knows quite well throughout his career as well, kind of played off him rather than because the thing about Chelsea is that they kind of chop and change their kind of wide forwards on a weekly basis. Um, you know, if, if even if they have any, sometimes took took all kind of resorts to wing back at, wing backs at times, and yeah. you know. To be fair to Timo Werner, he's not the only striker that struggled at Chelsea over the last two or three seasons. There's 
you know, there's there's him, there's Lukaku, there's Havertz, there's even Tammy Abraham, who's now gone through Roma and scored goals for fun. So it's not as if Chelsea's a very fertile ground for strikers and Timo Werner's just struggling. It's the fact that, you know, it seems to be a very difficult club to find, you know, to, to provide consistent chances for goal scorers or, for, or where goal scorers can thrive. And I think, like, his current recent record for Germany would suggest that, yeah, he's, he's always going to be a frustrating player, but it's encouraging that he's kind of still managing to get on the end of goals for Germany, where he's maybe still struggling for Chelsea. It's really interesting. There was this debate on Twitter. Um, someone at The Athletic wrote that there's a Bundesliga tax and um, that their Bundesliga players' XG drops marginally, I think 0.07, when they move from the Bundesliga to the Premier League. And he called this the Bundesliga tax, which, yeah odd way to describe it but uh this 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 led into an interesting debate in which a lot of the premier league writers actually in fairness pointed out that the the problem with bundesliga players going to the well number one the bundesliga is a more attack minding league which makes it easier for goal scorers because everyone plays this counter press gegen pressing type football which is also the name of this podcast right (laughs) But the, the other point is too, and we have we've been debating this for quite some time, is that it also means that everyone is almost playing the same kind of style of football. A lot of the smaller Premier League teams opt to park the bus, right? Mm-hmm. No one in Germany does that. Like even teams that play against relegation or know that they're getting relegated will still try to play football, which then of course leads to a lot more goal scoring chances. Yeah. And like they actually attributed the drop of goal scoring to that and then the fact that a lot of times players get signed. Let's say Sebastian Haller is a good example for this. He got signed for, by West Ham, who didn't have a system to fit him in. So, of course, his goal scoring drops, right? Because he's not gone to the right club. Um, so, that's interesting. And I think that that might have been the case for Timo Werner. He might be just at the wrong club. Yeah, it was actually, I think the piece was, I think it was actually the guys at T4 Football who did a video on it because I watched it this morning. I thought it was really interesting. I actually did, um, yeah. I retweeted it so you can find it on my timeline if you're wondering. Um, Perfect. And basically, the the gist of their argument was basically that um, basically there's it's, it's there's no such thing as a Bundesliga tax because there's a tax everywhere basically, you know, mm-hmm. and like basically every player coming from every league in Europe, their goal scoring does kind of take a dip when they move to the Premier League, and you're absolutely spot on. The difference between the Premier League and the Bundesliga is that at least half the teams in the Premier League are trying to scrape a point every single week to stay in the Premier League because obviously the money's so big there, the drop-off's so big there. You know, there are seven or eight teams that will happily sit in every week and just grind out a 1-1 draw. It doesn't make for a great football, in my opinion, more often than not, but, mm. you know, it does mean that it's a lot harder to score goals in the league. I just don't think that's really up for debate, to be honest. And we can... And then there's also yeah. issues in the Bundesliga, which you've you've you've, you've just said there yourself. I actually thought it was quite funny. Ronan Murphy um, tweeted, you know, saying, you know, what happened? Is, is anyone going to be able to? I think he, he tweeted one of these things that the Bundesliga stick out that you know the average amount of goals per game is higher in the Bundesliga than anywhere else. And always oh, has been, except for two years yeah. since the existence of the Bundesliga. I think uh, three or four years, Italy, three or four years ago, Italy was first. Yeah. And then sometimes in the 70s, England was once ahead. But throughout the entire existence of the Bundesliga, it has been the highest scoring league of all the top five leagues. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, he just kind of said, oh, you know, is this going to be the same when Haaland and Lewandowski leaves? And I just responded saying, well, of course it is, because no one in the Bundesliga knows how to defend. So it's always going to be a high scoring, yeah. fun league. You know, I mean, obviously being tongue, tongue in cheek, there are obviously teams that can defend. Um, yeah. Union Berlin is probably one example of that, but it's it's there's still a kind of there is some truth behind it that you know because the league plays a certain way because the clubs play a certain way there's always going to be more chances for goal scorers to score goals which is fine because it makes the league very interesting but I think that's probably one of the underlying factors for why a lot of players move from Germany to England and they don't score as many goals but I think that's also the case in other leagues as well, which is exactly what the guys at T4 were pointing out. Made a, made a very good point of pointing out. So, short, long answer short, there's no such thing as a Bundesliga tax because it really should be called the Premier League tax because everyone who moves to Premier League sees their numbers dull down a bit. Yeah, I guess if like you went full emphasis is on score, and I mean this is, it is that is the one thing too that the Bundesliga 
makes this Bundesliga so attractive in so many ways. You know that every game is going to have goals. Yeah. Right. And um, that is not a bad thing. But like maybe if you're a striker playing in the Bundesliga, it, it might be a good thing to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> because you're getting a lot of chances and even defenders are so attacking minded um one of the best best assists that i have probably seen this year was um schlotterbeck's assist to hoffman mm. to make it 1-1 against hungary i mean he plays a american football style pass halfway across hell mary halfway across the field point blank onto Hoffman's uh, chest, just has to tip mm. it down and put it in the net. It was a gorgeous assist. I mean, you, someone tweeted at me, like, put it on the wall and frame it. <laughs> but like, even even defenders play that kind of very attacking-minded style of football, right? Oh, it's, yeah. um, it's very interesting. And I think the entire league is kind of designed that way to be always on the front foot. Um, it's an interesting one. And I guess... Um, if you if you Hansi Flick as a Germany coach to maybe circle back to this topic real quickly, you embrace it, right? Because you know all your players are going to be like that, except for maybe Antonio Rüdiger, who I think is going to be a key member of this team at the World Cup because he's probably the only player who hasn't been shaded by all this Bundesliga attacking mindedness because he went to Italy very young and then he was at Chelsea for quite some time and now he's going to Real Madrid. And I think all these clubs have a much more defensive-minded outset um, than most of the Bundesliga teams have. So I think he's going to be the most important anchor for this team. Mm. No, absolutely. And it's, and it's such an interesting thing, isn't it, in terms of like, this is maybe a good kind of segue into like what we're going to talk about next in terms of the kind of Bundesliga market value updates. But mm-hmm. Schlotterbeck is such an interesting one to me because I think alongside Werner, he's also another player that this Germany team will really end up relying on because... You know, Flick's kind of made it clear that I know he didn't start against Italy, but he's made it clear that he's one of his main choices going forward. And you can see Schlotterbeck kind of quite happily stepping into that kind of Mats Hummels role, where he's the player who'll step out the ball, he's the player who'll make those long passes. Maybe, maybe it's more of a Jerome Boateng role actually. Now I think about it, um, but he's he's he he has been given so much responsibility with Germany, and he's now got this big move to Dortmund and. I think actually one of the most interesting things was the fact that we kind of forget that how much has happened for him in the last 12 months. You know, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I was kind of looking at his numbers, um, gosh, I think maybe like a week ago when the, these Bundesliga market values were updated. And I think his value's gone up by like 110% or maybe more since the start of the season. You know, he really has gone from like zero to hero and... In no time at all, he's gone from being a decent prospect at Freiburg to the man that Dortmund and Germany are kind of pinning all their hopes on. Maybe not all their hopes, maybe that's a little too harsh because there's obviously Rudiger still there and other defenders, but I just think that's so interesting. And, and it, I'm not saying it's wrong because I think he's had a very good season. Uh, I think he's a yeah. very good defender. I'm, I don't think he's beyond fault just yet. He's still learning. Um, yeah. You know, he still seems to be a little... Sometimes he gets a little clumsy off-ball, but that's fine. Uh, but he's. I think it's really interesting the way he's been one of the main players that we've kind of boosted in terms of market value this se- this season. And I think it's mm-hmm. and, and I think it's completely justified because he has developed into this kind of national icon now in German football. Yeah, he's, he's very good. I mean, um, obviously, uh, the Transfermarkt Bundesliga market values, they came out... Just looking at it last week, I, I should notice I wrote the, the English text, so <laughs> I should remember when I did it. Sometimes these days all merge into one, but um, as we are both now do work for Transfermarkt, uh, I did think it makes sense to take a look at them this week um, because we haven't done a podcast since they came out. Hmm. And Schlotterbeck is definitely one of them, and you can find all these values on Transfermarkt. The text is still, I think in one of the spotlights um, on .us, .co.uk, and on .com as well. So uh, very easy to find. And then there's a link with inside the article that you can click on the banner and you can see all the market values displayed, all the updates, downgrades, upgrades. It's all in there. Um, and Schlotterberg, yeah, he, he stands out. He's at, uh, we value him at 33 million euros now, right? Um, which is sort of reflective of his transfer fee. Um, it's not his transfer fee one-to-one. I believe because it wasn't his transfer fee was oh no his transfer fee was twenty million euros so mm. it's more than his 
actual transfer fees that Dortmund did quite well here. But when you look at his value, like at the start of uh, in October, his market value was 13 million euros. Then we went to 20 million in December. And then we went to 28 million in March. And now he's at 33 million. That's that's incredible. Yeah, that's uh, very good. Like, very, very good ascendancy in terms of market volume. Probably one of the bigger winners of, of this update. And rightly so. I mean, he's he's one of the defenders of the future. Yeah, exactly, and I think it's a. I think this is where kind of like the market value. Not to be kind of come across the real company man here, but I think this is where one of the things of like, you know, you could argue to the cows cows come home. You know how accurate our market values are to the real life stuff, whatever. But at the end of the day, it, at the very least, it's a good way of gauging how well a player is doing at any point in their career. Uh, and I think the way that his market value shot up is actually a perfect example of how good a season he's had. And I actually think it is quite accurate because if you have to ask me. You know what I thought of Dortmund's value for me. I, I would actually say they maybe got they actually managed to get him for a lot cheaper than I thought they would have been able to do. Um, mm. I'm not sure if there's actually any clauses in there that Freiburg might be relying on down the road, but um, I thought they got him quite cheaply, considering he could go on to become, you know, one of the best defenders in the league. Um, I think Dortmund certainly think he will. So, yeah, I think I think that's a, I think he's one of the main ones to stand out to me in terms of that that uh, the recent market value update. Which is interesting because if, if I want to then compare him to another defender, um, and one that really stands out to me is obviously Dio Apomacano, um, whose value actually dropped by eleven percent in this recent update. Um, and you know he's such an interesting one for me as well because he was kind of where Schlotterbeck is now, basically at this point last season. And since he's made that move from Leipzig, his values dropped from sixty million euros down to forty million euros. Um, and again, I, I think this is perfectly justified. I think this is a perfect example. I think this is a perfect. Uh, I think this, you know, the market value tool on their website is just a perfect example of illustrating how these, how what kind of season these guys have had. Because yeah, um, if there was any kind of hope that. Upamecano was going to kind of step into David Alaba or Jerome Boateng's shoes. It really hasn't happened this season at all. And Bayern are now kind of left in a situation where, like, did we spend a lot too much money on this guy? Were we kind of hoodwinked into buying out his contract, buying out his release fee to make sure we got him first when we maybe should yeah. put a bit more effort into thinking about it? Or maybe putting more effort into uh, renewing with Nicolas Sule. Yeah. Um, who didn't change his market value but um yeah i mean it it is it is um it is interesting with upa meccano because obviously he hasn't been he hasn't been the player that he was supposed to be for this club um and his market value has dropped by another five million euros um in this latest update um in terms of what else stood out is the two Leverkusen guys, of course, right? I think we should talk about them as well. Um, Musa Diaby and Patrick Schick. In hindsight, and I know we were both at the meeting where we where we debated some of these final values, and then they go out again to the different admins and they discussed even further, right? But like, I made the point that Schick maybe should go even higher. Mm. He went to he went from forty to fifty, which is a big jump. Ten million euros is a lot. Um, but I made the point that I think he will he will be even higher. Uh, the pushback, of course, was, and I, I accept that. Um, I'm not going to say I disagree completely with anyone I work with, but like, and I I accepted that point is that I think where we kind of waiting on is to see if he can actually confirm that season, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that makes total sense. At this point, if you're a Leverkusen fan, you're really hoping that this wasn't kind of like a purple patch of form or one season one season wonder kind of thing um and i think when it comes to shake obviously he does have some kind of point he, he has a history in which he has to overcome before he can really establish himself he's now i mean you know the thing is the the, the the stage is set for him to really kind of step into being the number nine at in the bundesliga next season because yeah. obviously erlen halland has left Lewandowski will either leave or begrudgingly finish his last season at Bayern. I mean, I know he's a very professional player, but let's be honest, he's unlikely to kind of he's unlikely to do better than he did last season. Um, and then, of course, there's Adeyemi at 
Dortmund who might step into that role and become like a real talisman, we don't know. But in terms of being the kind of big blockbuster number nine, which the Bundesliga is so well known for, Schick is the guy who's waiting to kind of step into that role. Um, and I think, add to that the fact that, you know, we kind of talked about this podcast, we kind of, not, I wouldn't go so far as to be broken news, but we kind of reported that he was, uh, not only was he not for sale, but it was more likely to sign a new contract a few days before he did. Um, yeah. And yeah, things are looking pretty good for him, if you ask me. And and, and Leverkusen, it'll be interesting to see if they can hold on to him. Um, but I yeah. think I, I think he's a really exciting, really interesting player right now. He, I'm trying not to make this comparison because I don't know if it's fair. It's a bit like when people compare Lino Messi to or young players to Lino Messi, but Schick at 26 kind of reminds me of Lewandowski at Dortmund in the sense that... I know. Yeah, I think the same thing. I totally agree with that. He's kind of got the same profile. He plays the same way. At yeah. times, he can really take your breath away and you're like, wow, is this guy about to make the step up and become like a really top-class number nine um, and if he has another season at Leverkusen like he did last year I have no doubt that a top-tier club are, club are going to come along and say right it's time to prove it on the big stage um, and mm. you know at that point by hook or by crook Lewandowski would have left Bayern and you know whether whether Bayern can actually afford him is another question I'm not quite sure but I wouldn't be surprised if in 12 months time he's been linked with Bayern Real Madrid maybe a few teams in England because if if he, if he continues the way he's had he's been performing the last twelve months, he also had a very good Euros before the before the uh, season. Unfortunately, mm. I know that firsthand from the goals he scored against Scotland. But uh, so he 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 this I, I I don't think it's a purple patch. I think this is him developing into the player he almost promised to be, um, and it's very exciting for Leverkusen. Yeah, I, I, I first time. Saw him live. Like I've seen him live in stadium, of course, but I have never seen him live in the mixed zone before. And I agree with everything you said about Lewandowski. Like a hundred percent, I'm with you there. He he could be t- Lewandowski didn't really come into his full form until his later twenties either, right? Mm. People keep forgetting that he really struggled at first in in Dortmund. Yeah. The one thing that Schick has over Lewandowski, guy is massive. <laughs> I, you, you've met me I, I'm 6'5 like, if I think someone is tall that, that person is tall and uh, Schick is my height he is a big guy huge frame and he doesn't move he doesn't move like a guy with a big frame which uh, makes it I guess even more dangerous because he can literally break the lines because of his physicality he's a strong strong body um, and I think that's an aspect that's been kind of overlooked when when you look at Patrick Schick. He's just a really big body that he moves like a smaller body. And I think that is where where you say that that's the one thing that Lewandowski doesn't have. Like Lewandowski is not a small guy either, but he doesn't have a big frame like that. And I think that's going to be a huge asset, especially if you are Premier League uh, club looking at him. Yeah, exactly. He's got all the physique. He's, he's, he's kind of, this is the thing. He's kind of got everything in his, in his locker to kind of make the step up and become that kind of... Yeah top class player he's a perfect age as well um just about to approach kind of maybe he's got about another three four years before he's hitting his peak doesn't he so he's an interesting one i totally agree with you that his value could have went up but i can also agree with the guys at the company that they maybe don't want to tempt uh fate and, and kind of jump into it with all feet uh with both feet but yeah, yeah. and, and, and yeah. perhaps a good comparison to this is to one player who has now proven himself as Christopher Nkunku. Uh-huh. Who yeah. has now gone on, if I'm not mistaken, to become not the most viable, but the joint most viable player in the league, if I think I'm saying. I think I'm right in saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. So due, like, technically, until July 1st, it's still Erling Haaland at 150 million euros. We all know he's off on July 1st to Man City. And then the most valuable players in the league on joint number one spot will be Jude Bellingham, Joshua Kimmich, and Christopher Nkunku. And then it's resorted by age, which technically makes Bellingham the, the most valuable, right? But Nkunku is up there. He's, you know, he's, his market value improved by 15 million euros. And um, people ask us a week ago, who's going to be the next big star in this league? And you're looking at him. Like Nkunku is, is going to be... And you know, he might have a legitimate shout at the at the Toyega Kanuna next year as well if Lewandowski leaves. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, there's obviously talk of him moving on. We've kind of discussed that in the last couple of podcasts. Not really convinced yeah. he will. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens because he is angling himself for a kind of Jaden Sancho-esque move, isn't he? Um, I thought we've kind of talked about this. PSG would have been the perfect move. That's not happening now because Kylian Mbappe is staying. But there are links to Man United constantly, which I don't think are really going to happen unless something dramatic like Marcus Rashford moves on or they decide to loan Jaden Sancho to Nottingham Forest or something. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But if he has another season like he did in this season, then um, he'd probably confirm himself as potentially the best player in the league, which would be quite something for RB Leipzig. Yeah, exactly. Um Definitely one to look out for. I mean, they, as we said, one of the stars uh, for this upcoming up, upcoming season to watch. Like depending, of course, uh, on who else Bayern Munich bring in. Uh, anyone else who like stood out for you? Um, obviously, Jamal Musiala. I'm a huge fan of him. You know this. Um, I thought he was fantastic for in this in this window for Germany. We had some really good time playing um, in that weird number double eight uh, or double eight slash ten role next to Thomas Müller. Um, didn't start against Italy, but did come off the come off the bench. Um, his, he broke a record for the player with the most German national team games uh, below eighteen, I think, or below twenty. Hmm. Uh, previously held by Mario Götze, of course. Um, other talent, and his market value go, is going up to sixty-five million euros. Uh, on that top list that we have in front of you, um, anyone else who stuck out to you? Um. There's no one in particular, but one thing I had noticed, if you actually flip the chart and you look at the players who've made the biggest decreases, uh, out of the top 10 or 15, I see 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 Bayern players. Mm. And, you know, I'm not talking about Chupa Moting or Bruno Saar here. I'm talking Leroy Sané, Marcel Sabitzer, Joshua yeah. Kimmich, Serge Gnabry, Leon Goretzka, Robert Lewandowski, and then obviously Upamecano, who we talked about. That really interests me because I actually, again, think this is kind of spot on. Um, I thought Kimmich had an okay season, nothing remarkable. Goretzka, I actually thought he had a pretty disappointing season on the whole. Not hugely disappointed, but still kind of obviously injury got in the way of things. But um, I heard some murmurs that maybe Gravenberg, who's the new Bayern signing, might be coming in as a long-term replacement for Goretzka or maybe someone who can help him helping inverted commas there in the sense that he might just take mm. his place in that Bayern midfield of Goretzka can't kind of go over these constant niggling injuries um, and then of course I think the main one that really stands out to me is Sani. Sani's such an interesting one for me right now because you know we were talking before the show here about Kerry Hall the reporter of Sport Eins, um friend of the show came up with a really interesting story this week about how you know Bayern aren't signing Sadio Mane uh, to replace Lewandowski. He's not there to replace Serge Gnabry, but in fact, he's there to kind of take the kind of pressure off Leroy Sané to an extent, uh, or let Sané kind of develop under his shadow. Um, I thought it was a really kind of bizarre line, to be honest with you. I'm not doubting Kerry's reporting by any standards, uh, but it, it just, it, it seems odd to me that, we're now, what, two years into Sani being at Bayern, almost two years, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe more, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Who knows? Um, it's his third year. We're, we're, right? He's, he's, this he's, was the second season, Yes, I think. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. I was trying to, I was trying to remember if this is his second season. Yeah, he joined, in, he joined in the summer of 2020, so he'll now be starting his third season. And still don't really know what to make of him. You know, um, flashes of brilliance, flashes of becoming the key man in that team. Um, but one of the interesting things in Kerry's report was that if Bayern do end up selling Lewandowski, some within the club think that could benefit Leroy Sani if Nagelsmann goes to this kind of strikerless formation because apparently Sani isn't too happy with the selfish manner in which Lewandowski was kind of hunting down goals and trying to score for himself rather than setting up his teammates, which may be a fair argument to be made considering I think Lewandowski only had like three assists this season. Um, and it's, it's just interesting that we're now three years into 
well, you know, sorry, two years into his time at the club, and hmm. we still don't really know where Sani fits into this team. And yeah, we're now we're now approaching a point where Bayern are signing a player who, in one way or another, will probably play in his exact position, and it's kind of like, well, he's actually here to help Sani, and you're like, what, really? Yeah, like I mean, what? <laughs> it, it it just shows how much of a mess this thing has been, and it shows how much how messy his time at the club has been. And I don't know. I just wonder if maybe the club are beginning to lose patience in him. Uh, I know transfer marks certainly have because his value's kind of halved since he since he was at Manchester City, and I can understand why. But uh, I think one of the main takeaways from the recent market value update is the fact that he, more than anyone else in the league, is the player who's lost the most amount of value, um, and his value's dropped by ten million. He's now a sixty million euro player. 60 million euro player um, and I don't see that kind of trend changing anytime soon No, something remarkable must happen for that to, to, to go back um, Yeah I, 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 I read the Kerry Howe story and I, I don't doubt anything he reports because I know he is very well connected to Bayern Munich so um, whatever he reports is stuff that has been told to him and he trusts those sources. So I don't doubt his reporting. I just doubt the logic behind uh, what Bayern are planning to do there. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> um, it's just Mane and Sane and then Kingsley Coman and I guess Serge Gnabry, are we no longer factoring him in this conversation? Are we just pretending he's going to leave? Um <laughs> That's a lot of very similar players. Yeah. And I guess a number nine is coming. Um, they are taking their long time with Sasha Kalajic, which makes me think that he, Dortmund will just happily snatch him up um, in the end of it. And, you know, Bayern will be once again left wondering why they didn't sign the guy. It's it's an interesting one. Um it's a lot of very similar players, I guess. And Bayern Munich never really have played without a proper number nine. This is something that we've pointed out too in the past, right? Mm. And while Nagelsmann might think that's a good formation, um, I'm not 100% convinced by that thinking. But, you know, there's people working at Bayern Munich that do this as a full-time job and they're supposed to know what's right and what's wrong. And if they believe this is the right way forward... God bless him. I wish them all the best. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think good luck. <laughs> I think we should probably move on to a good Bayern signing before we really lose all the yes. Bayern fans for good because we've spent like last three or four weeks doing nothing but bad mouth in the poor club. Uh, but they have, they have done some good business this week. Yeah, they have. Gravenberg was... I mean, we reported Gravenberg as being done and then it took forever for it to be announced. And I think we said on the podcast when first league that it was pretty much done that like look this is not going to be announced till mid-june um there's a lot of stuff that still needs to happen uh, in terms of his contract being signed the medical being agreed and so on and so forth and uh, this had nothing to do with the deal potentially falling through it's just sometimes these things take time and it's finally announced it was announced on monday uh it we had the number almost be- right stefan i said 19 plus 19 Base fee twenty five million, final fee seven percent ex- ex- uh, sell on. Ajax published it. It was eighteen point five, and up to twenty four million. So that's yeah. pretty good. We were close, yeah, close enough. Um, it's a good deal though all around because they're getting a player that has looks a lot like Goretzka in some ways. Um, has a little bit of Pogba. Um, they originally tried to find a, a, a number six that can fill that Thiago role. You don't really get that with Grafenberg at all. He's he's not that sort of player. He's much more dynamic, uh, much more fluent in midfield. But I think they're getting one of the most sought-after midfield prospects in European football for a pretty good price. Yeah, exactly. I think... It's a great deal. And I think the most interesting thing about him is that he's kind of like malleable in the sense that he can go into this Nagelsmann team and Nagelsmann can kind of turn him into whatever he wants to turn him into. He can become an eight. If he really has to, he can play as a six, maybe step up and become number 10. 
And, you know, I don't actually really buy the argument that he's there to replace Goretzka long-term. I think Nagelsmann just likes having options in midfield. We saw that with RB Leipzig. He just had hundreds and hundreds of central midfielders, and he, he, he just seems far more comfortable when he has options to kind of pick and choose from. Um, obviously, Sabitzer hasn't worked out at the club this season, but he might kind of make a step up next year when he's had a full preseason behind him. He's feeling a bit more at home at the club. Um, by no means, I think he'll be a starter. But, you know, with Goretzka, Kimmich, Sabitzer and Gravenberg, you've got four kind of midfielders there for potentially two spots in the team. Um, and I think that will probably help Nagelsmann stay peasy at night because for it's for, for long stretches in this season, um, Bayern just looked so bare in midfield and they had Jamal Musiala there. And, you know, I argued with people constantly about this on Twitter. And I was like... But Musiala is just not an eight. He's not a six. He's not an eight. He's not a central midfielder, in my opinion. He's a ten. He's an inside forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe one day he could become a striker, a bit like Kai Havertz if he wants to be. But I, I just thought whenever he played as a number eight, Dortmund, uh, Bayern looked so exposed uh, in counterattacks. Um, so the fact that they've kind of prioritized Gravenberg makes so much sense to me. And they've gone for very good value. Um yeah, and I think it's just a really smart move from the club. I think it's a move that they can really, it's something they can really use to kind of build a new season, build a new team around to an extent. Um, and they just have to kind of see where they go from here. Um, because I guess you could maybe argue that if Bayern just didn't do anything now between now and the end of the season, it'd kind of be okay. Um, they've got a right back, a very good right back. They've brought in a centre midfielder. Those were the two real positions I think that they needed to properly strengthen. Um, and as long as Lewandowski stays and doesn't throw a massive tantrum um, and then ditto for Serge Gnabry, I think they've probably still got enough about them to kind of go about the competitions that they want to win next season, uh, assuming Nagelsmann can continue to progress and, you know, assuming a number of these kind of younger kind of squad players kind of continue to develop. Um, things at the moment look fine for Bayern. To put, to, if I kind of want to put it that way, um, you know, if they sell Lewandowski and they bring Sadio Mane and Serge Gnabry buggers off and Leroy Sané goes in a half, then yeah, sure, we might be in proper FC Hollywood mode. But I kind of feel like if they were like, right, we're done and we're not selling Lewandowski, if I was a Bayern fan, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll take that. Yeah, I would too. Um, and we assume Sadio Mane gets done, right? Um, it seems like it's very far progressed right now and uh, personal terms have been agreed with him. So it really is about Liverpool getting a transfer fee. Essentially, <laughs> you made this point on Twitter. It was a good one. Essentially, Bayern Munich are paying uh, Liverpool to sign the player that Bayern Munich should have signed in David Nunez. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, it still baffles me. It's great business by Liverpool. Um, I'm not surprised Jurgen Klopp got this done. Uh, he's the best manager in the world, and of course, he gets the, gets the player that probably the most sought after number nine on the transfer market after Erling Haaland, and he gets him. Uh, Darwin Nunes is a tremendous player. I'm a huge fan, and I can't wait to see him play on the club. Um, and then now Bayern are essentially paying half of that fee uh, by signing Sadio Mane. So, <laughs> well done, Jürgen. You you really got the job done there. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, with Lewandowski. I, I did. You see the the story that Bayern Munich want a flat fee for him straight up. Uh, if Barcelona want to sign him, fifty million, one fee, no <laughs> installments, nothing. Uh, I I thought that was really intriguing, and it's probably very reflective of what a lot of teams are thinking about Barcelona right now. Because is anyone really trusting their finances? And I think that will make a Lewandowski transfer very difficult. And, and not surprising too that all of a sudden there's a couple other teams that are now coming in and maybe trying to their luck to sign them, right? Because I can't see Barcelona forking up fifty million in one payment. No. Where are they gonna find that money? And it's you not know, possible. No, of course not. And yeah, I think Bayern have every right to be suspicious of it. And you know what? I, I also did think this going into the podcast tonight. I was like, the rumors of Ken Lewandowski leaving have kind of lost a lot of their steam recently, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh there's not the same hubbub, there's not the same ferocity of transfer stories um i think i think his kind of outburst or maybe not outburst that's maybe the right word his comments when he's on international duty and saying you know my time at Bayern munich as things stand is over um 
that felt to me like the kind of final card that his camp had left to play. And I do wonder if all the all the all the transfer sagas and all the kind of anger not anger, all the kind of, you know, drama that has been built up around him leaving over the last two or three months and and the ferocity of the stories about him moving to Barcelona. I kinda of wonder if it's all been a lot of hot air. You know, I'm sure a lot of Bayern fans are listening to this rolling the rise and they're thinking, well, of course it has been. Yeah, fair enough. But I wonder if it's intentionally been hot air because his camp have been trying to drive up demand for him simply because he's obviously desperate to move. He's made that clear. But what we don't know is if there's anyone who's desperate to sign him. You know, there's been talks of Barcelona. There's been comments made. But at the end of the day, Barcelona... A, don't have the money to sign him, and B, already have five or six strikers who probably would do a perfectly good job for them next season. So, you know, it's not as if there's a big Lewandowski-shaped hole in that team. Um, And then after Barcelona, there's not really any genuine standouts. There's murmurs of Chelsea. I've kind of said in the Mm. podcast recently that I think that would actually be a really good swap if they could swap Lukaku for him, although now it looks like Lukaku might go back to Inter. Um, You know, but... Besides that, you're kind of few and far between in terms of potential suitors. And I think it's really interesting that after this huge crescendo of drama, and which ended with him making his point clear, it has gone very quiet. And I wonder if Bayern have just kind of decided to take a step back, let things cool down, and then when he gets back to team training, they'll kind of pull him aside and say, right, you had your 15 seconds of fame, you made your point. <laughs> now sign this contract because nobody's coming to buy you. You know, and I know that maybe sounds a little kind of harsh, or maybe I'm being a little dramatic here, but and and God knows, maybe by the time this podcast goes to air, we might have an exclusive in Marca that Bayern or Barcelona have paid Bayern what they want for him. So I've been wrong before, and I could be wrong again, but I just think you know part of my job to kind of keep an eye on the kind of transfer stories and to kind of keep Mm -hmm. an eye on the kind of mood of these things. And it just feels to me like things have gone very suspiciously quiet around Lewandowski recently. I think Bayern's plan was always to sit this out. Yeah. And I'm not sure it's working, but right now it has gotten very quiet. The one thing that I would say about it, though, is how do you come back from those comments? That's the only thing. Uh, I have no doubt that Okay, let me rephrase this. I think that Bayern would quite happily go with him in the next season, even though he made those comments. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see if that if that happens, if Lewandowski does stay, how the player and the club is going to sell this to the public. If that makes sense. So not doubting, not doubting that that could happen, but I'm curious on how they're going to sell it to us. Hmm. Because they will have to do that, right? Like, there will have to be some public face-saving exercise if Lewandowski stays at Bayern Munich. And how do you even approach it? It's genuine curiosity, uh, which we, I guess we as journalists are supposed to have, on how Bayern Munich will go about on this. Are they going to do a press conference? Are they going to say, well, they can't really say that. They can't say, oh, my comments were taken out of context. He said it live on air. <laughs> it's like, um, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm. Like, how would you do it, Stefan? Like, what would you do to actually fix this? I wouldn't do anything because football fans are fickle. And <laughs> if I was Sally Hamovich and I was sitting there with Lewandowski in a quiet room with no cameras or anything, I would say, look, you sign a one-year extension. We walk out here and say, you know, it was all part of the negotiations. And as soon as the season starts and he starts scoring goals again, Bayern fans will not care a jot. Um, yeah. I was just trying to rack my brains there for thinking, like, really, where could he go if Barcelona doesn't work out? And I have two options for you. Um, not that I think either of these are genuine op- options, but one is potentially Atletico Madrid, who are kind of um, who, who who are not strangers to throwing money at things when they really want to, um, and they do kind of still have issues with their strikers. Obviously, Suarez is leaving this summer. Griezmann's not really like the player he used to be, um, so there's a potential maybe there. Uh, and the other one is if you can't go to Spain. You go to the next best thing, and that's Miami. 
which I know would be fantastic for you, so I'm sure you'd be all for it. <laughs> well, I can tell you with 100% certainty that Inter Miami do not have the cap space or the designated player spots available <laughs> to sign Robert Lewandowski, even if they want. Although, although I'm sure Major League Soccer will make an exception yeah. if they could get just like they did with, the, with Inter Miami's owner, they'll just make a, a, a Lewandowski rule. Yeah, I, I, they probably. I mean, it they will probably come up with a rule like that when Lionel Messi arrives, right? I mean, we all know that's going to happen eventually, and that's when they're going to have to change rules too. And maybe Lewandowski, he's always said he wanted to become a global superstar. He comes to Miami. Like, sure. Um, this is totally us making this up, by the way. I don't think this is going to happen. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Stefan, I think that covers it all. Uh, this is a very good way of ending this podcast with us making up a rumor that Robert Lewandowski could maybe go to Inter Miami. <laughs> um, I think that completely puts to bed the fact that maybe PSG could sign him. But yeah, it's been fun. Uh, we'll be back next week with another show. Uh, this show was as always brought to you by Bet Online, and yeah, see you guys. Talk to you guys next week, and leave us a review. Maybe that'd be nice. We've gotten some really good ones, and they're very, very much appreciated. All right then. Until next week, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.